So what happens when you combine my insane curiosity with some of the world's most interesting people? You end up with incredible conversations full of stories, insights, and the defining moment that made them who they are today. This is The David Spizak Show. research, but I would suspect if you wanted to focus on automotive, I'll bet you there's more airtime, airplay, and articles on EVs on a per-week basis and growing than any other topic within retail automotive or maybe even automotive at large. So you're going to be really happy that you joined today for a couple of reasons. Number one, my guest has a really fantastic background. His name is Jimmy Douglas. He's the founder and CEO of Plug.Vin. And Jimmy also is a former executive for Tesla, so he knows a few things about EVs, about the market, and all things uh, electric vehicles. So I'm super pleased to have you join today. Jimmy, welcome to the show, and I look forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So let's start with this. So just to give people context for those handful of people that may not uh, troll you on a regular basis or uh, seek you out, wait for you to come out of uh, airports and things of that nature, TMZ style. Uh, could you give people some background, including uh, specifically your Tesla experience? Yeah, for sure. So if you go back far enough, uh, you'll find me on the tail end of high school where uh, I moved out of my house uh, before I was a legal adult and found my way uh, into a car dealership where I got a job as a lot attendant, uh, which then turned into service advisor, which then turned into internet sales. And that's actually how I put myself through college because you could do that uh, at a dealership job. And uh, it was a great way for me to make money and uh, meet some lifelong friends and uh, fuel what turned into a bit of an automobile addiction. I owned 30 different cars before I was 30. And uh, that was something I enjoyed as part of my technology career, where I spent about a decade following the time at the dealer before heading back into auto. And it was Tesla in 2018 in the thick of Model 3 production hell when I joined. Uh, it was an incredible time to be a part of that team. And uh, I started in corporate finance and found my way into remarketing. And over the course of time, I started stepping into more senior leadership roles, which included uh, it's North America wide used car business, uh, sales operations, and a handful of others. And just under a year ago, I made the super difficult decision to depart from that company and start this one. And it's called Plug, and it's an online wholesale marketplace uh, auction for battery electric vehicles. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, in in some regards, it's got to feel like literally 20 years ago, uh, 2018, right? Yeah. Uh, it just seems like forever ago in, 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 to some degree. But I mean, there was just five short years ago when the, when the Tesla 3 hit the market. And now you look at the Tesla 3 and the Tesla Y came out when? A year or two after the 3? Yeah. Right? And those two vehicles now outsell every other EV model combined in the United States. Not globally, I'm saying, but in the United States. 
um, which is incredibly impressive. And and even though market share for Tesla continues to uh, decrease, um, that's done. You have to consider the backdrop of the, the reality that the volume still goes up tremendously. I think last year it's probably up thirty to forty percent. So um, still a very viable market with those vehicles. And while we see a lot of kind of ebbs and flows with with respect to EVs, Jimmy, you know, pros, cons, people that are super uh, leaning into EVs, others that are like, yeah, no thanks. The reality is this is a market that is um, not coming. It's here and it's mm-hmm. continuing to grow and will continue to grow probably through the time that I'm on this earth and, and far beyond that. Do you agree with that? I do. I absolutely agree with that. And I still think we're very early. Uh, I I don't believe we've made it beyond early adopters. And when you think about it in the used market, which is a majority of the car market, as you know, uh, or even earlier, we're at 1% battery electric vehicle. It is absolutely the exception, not the rule, to be the driver of one of these right now. But the growth curve is undeniable. Yeah, you know, it's uh, that's an interesting point as well. You know, obviously, Tesla has been putting cars on the road since, I believe, right, right around 2012 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you say, wow, it's a mature company. They're over 10 years old. They've got a couple, more than a couple million vehicles out there. And the Tesla 3, as we said, has been out there for roughly five years. But if you think about it, the average car, as far as an age in the United States today is, is hemming, uh, getting up towards 13 years. That's the average age of a car. And if you think about the average Tesla out there, consider a Model 3, they're four to five years old. That's it. Um, and we didn't really see volume from EVs, period, until the Model 3 and the Model Y hit the streets because both the S and the X were, were relatively small volume in the grand scheme of things. Fair? Very fair. And it's such an important point because one belief that I have that I think is somewhat non-consensus is that we actually don't know how long these cars will last in aggregate. And the belief that I have is it will be very normal to buy a certified pre-owned two, maybe 300,000 mile EV. And why do you say that? What's What's the largest? I mean, obviously a lot less moving parts, a lot less things to go wrong, but- uh, batteries are are predicted. We don't know. Predicted to go fifteen to twenty years, maybe maybe longer. Um, and we already are seeing, you know, cottage industries like recycling batteries, right, yeah. and things of that nature. But you could. Are you saying prospectively? I got a car that's got a couple hundred thousand miles on it. Pop one battery out, put another battery in. Let's go another fifteen or twenty years. If you need to, uh, there's very little data on the longevity of high voltage battery packs right now. And the technology is changing pretty rapidly too. The, the, the most significant study that has ever been published was by Tesla in its environmental impact report, which anybody can freely download and read right now. And in that report, they, uh, they, they displayed the results of, uh, battery capacity retention across the broader Model S and X fleet that has crossed 200,000 miles. And that average battery retention was 88% at 200,000 miles. Now, we, we, we generally believe that the useful life of a high voltage battery pack and the application of being attached to a car uh, is generally uh, anything north of 70%. So 
The question is, is how much of that vehicle's utility is tied to the, the health of that battery and or how long or how many miles will it be healthy? And since the fleet is so young, to your point, we just don't know the answer to that. And for that reason, I also would wager that most used EVs relative to the life they have ahead of them are dramatically undervalued. In, it, that's an interesting point, you know, and I, I meant to go to this next point a little further in, in the discussion, but it would be appropriate to bring it up now. So, you know, I believe that uh, in a previous conversation during our disruptive EV event, you had mentioned that there was somewhere on the 20, 21, 22,000 EVs, um, you know, USA-wide available as used cars listed currently on um, website platforms. And when the CEO of Hertz went on CNBC Squawk Box roughly a week ago and stated that they were going to eliminate one-third, they were going to shave their current EV inventory from 60,000 to 40,000 units, that essentially doubled used car inventory availability in a single day. More interesting to me was I was frankly very surprised at the value proposition because I was seeing 2022 Model 3s, for example, uh, that were priced in the low to mid $20,000 range. Now, when you consider that the vast majority of dealers in this country are struggling to find cars at 25000 and under, with the average used car selling for around twenty six, I believe, today, um, and that EVs on the new car side tend to be twelve or fifteen thousand more expensive than their conventional options. All of a sudden, we got a little bizarro world where things are flip flopped, and the EVs seem to be a better value. Is is that one of the? First of all, is that something that you're you're kind of referring to, and is that something that you anticipated when you started Plug? I never could have anticipated the year we're about to have when I started Plug. And I'll say that I'd rather be lucky than good. But this news is uh, going to fuel what I'm referring to as 2024 being uh, the year of the used EV. Because to your point, suddenly uh, a tremendous slug of inventory will be uh, accessible within a pricing segment in high number like never before. And a, a used Model 3 is an amazing car, uh, especially within that price point. And what's even more exciting is there's an opportunity for those that can be retailed below 25000 to take advantage of the 25E uh, federal tax credit on the hood. So suddenly making this technology uh, and these vehicles, uh, one of the safest cars in the world, uh, available to a vastly new and much broader set of people than it was before. And that's a tremendous opportunity for dealers who are thinking about participating. And I I'm the last person on earth that's going to tell a dealer that they should engage in this business line right now if it's not for them, if their team is not ready to embrace it, or if their community, community is not ready to embrace it. But for those who are, this is going to be an, an incredible year for that product line. So, Jimmy, it's the old saying that, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, right? <clears throat> um, I kind of relate that to the door closing was hurt. They said, okay, we're going to shelf that, a third of that inventory for now. We just don't see the demand and the, there's 
uh, costs were a little higher than we expected and so forth. And of course, they have to adhere to a different uh, structure, business model, and and uh, just parameters than somebody who's just buying a car to drive it. Um, but the door that opened is Uber uh, stating that they are going to up-level their uh, objective of getting more drivers into uh, EVs, specifically Tesla. So kind of a wash, right? Something tells me that there's way more than 20,000 Uber drivers out there potentially to go into, uh, into EVs like Tesla 3s, which seems to be the dominant either the 3 or the Y, versus the 20,000 that got shaved off of Hertz. The reason I bring that up is Tesla, I mean, Uber drivers drive a ton of miles, right? And normally when they buy a gas car and they put 80,000 miles in a year on that gas car, that four-cylinder, six-cylinder engine, there tends to be some bad bad mojo, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't have the durability. And you were referencing earlier, the reason I bring this up is that you have a belief that it is completely conceivable that you could have 200,000, 300,000 mile EVs like Tesla 3s and Tesla Ys and others that are still viable used cars, reliable used cars, maybe just with the flip of a battery replacement. And so if that's the case, all of these uh, Uber drivers that are putting very high miles, um, it probably doesn't matter as much as it would have, not by a long shot, versus if they had a conventional ICE car. Is that fair to say? It's very fair to say. And as somebody who takes Uber very frequently, when I am ever presented with the option in the Uber app to uh, select a comfort electric vehicle, I always do it. Uh, I, I've, I've found that the, the vehicles are generally newer, uh, in better condition. And I, am, of course, have an affinity for electric vehicles. So uh, it's something that I always opt into. And I always take the opportunity to speak with the drivers when I can. And it's usually a very uh, excited conversation because they're generally comparing it to having driven something else that was not electric. And for the most part, they're very happy with that switch. So long as they have a solution for charging. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. Um, all right, so let's jump into your platform. So you made a tough decision, you said, when you had to leave, uh, you felt like it was time to leave Tesla. What, what inspired you with respect to timing? And what really drove your thinking in terms of coming up with a the first EV-focused, EV-only used car platform for dealers? Yeah, thank you. It's a great question. And honestly, it was a collection of a few things uh, hitting slowly, but then suddenly all at once. Uh, as uh, one of the many stakeholders within that company, uh, overseeing the, the wholesale and retail disposition of more used EVs than probably anybody else in any other operation, at the time, we were watching really closely to what would happen with those vehicles through our own retail channels or, or downstream to other retailers, uh, making it through traditional or legacy wholesale channels. And one thing that we know about buying a used EV is that it's a highly consultative exercise. Uh, it's, it, it's an educational experience, uh, at least in the retail context where uh, uh, the best dealers are doing their best work. And in order to be highly confident about what you're selling to the consumer, you need to have all the confidence in what exactly you've acquired for yourself uh, in terms of inventory. The 
the set of information required to be confident about your electric vehicle is different than the set of information required uh, on your combustion vehicle. Uh, and the source for that information is also different because an EV is a computer on wheels and the uh, equipment and the functionality that it carries on any given day is often not an exact rep, uh, reflection of what it was on the day when it was brand new. It could have been upgraded with over-the-air updates. There could have been paid software upgrades. Uh, the battery will be in some level of condition, and oftentimes it can be very difficult to know exactly what that is. There can be uh, ubiquitous access to destination charging in your region, or it can be really difficult depending on which charge board or what network it accesses. And it gets even more interesting with tax incentives, local, state, and federal. So the the concept of very confidently uh, retailing a used electric vehicle, especially as more models uh, come out the door, is really challenging. And uh, those who are really specialized in it, I liken them to someone who would be capable of being an expert on every Android phone that's ever existed and trying to sell them. It's hard. It's very difficult. So that data or information layer uh, was missing throughout the majority of wholesale and retail transactions that I was observing. And what that did to the market was bring it down by a function of averages, meaning the best cars that had the best equipment or were in the best condition on the inside did not catch market deltas that were reflective of that. Uh, and that was leading to an inefficient market not just because people didn't know how to properly price them, but because a very small number of of retailers are sort of capitalizing on that thanks to their asymmetric uh, information uh, access or knowledge, uh, leading other dealers to have tried once or twice, but then get burned and not want to try anymore. So, Jimmy, let me, if, if you don't mind, let me just um, stop you right there because I'm curious and I'm Curious for myself, I'm curious for everybody listening. You talk about, you've said a couple of times, a small number of dealers, right? So mm -hmm. this is not surprising. You know, I believe that we'll end up with 2023, uh, the percentage of total new car sales that were EVs is supposed to be somewhere in the seven and a half to eight yeah. percent. Uh, it fell in Q4. It had been going up every single quarter. Um but then it had a down quarter in Q4. There's um, a, a lot of hypothecating as to why that happened. Maybe people were waiting to after the first of the year with the change to the, to the IRS uh, application of the $7,500 credit or whatever it For might sure. be. Yeah. But that notwithstanding, so we're in the 8% range, right? But then you stated earlier, we're at only 1% on the used car side. Now, um, first and foremost, wouldn't be unusual if a new car dealer went out there and said, well, you know, do I really need to go all in when this represents potentially, I don't know, one, two percent of my used car sales that I'll have this year. But there's others, you know, uh, uh, I'm thinking of Alex Lawrence in Salt Lake City, John Foley out in Virginia, who said, you know, I don't know that that's right. I think that there's heightened demand, perhaps greater demand on the pre-owned side than the new car side because of affordability, as we yes. recently talked to, uh, talked about. And so I'm going to go all in. And so both of them started EV only used car lots, and they both seem to be doing very well. What I'm curious about is, can you do you can you shed any light when you look at the used cars that are being sold, used EVs, 
What does that look like today? How many dealers are participating? Um, you know, is it does that look any different than the new car side, which is generally heavily in the coast and major metros? What do you what have you learned thus far about the pre-owned market and who's selling used EVs? We've learned a lot. Uh so yeah, we we're tracking as much of the market as we can. We don't believe we have the whole market, but we think we have about 75 to 80% of the retail market. And in that data, what we're seeing is that uh of the dealers who are participating in used EVs, which uh, is a little bit less than half of the overall dealer body, uh, somewhere between eight and 10,000 have any, uh, the majority of the sales, uh, about two thirds, are being done by one fourth of the participants. And then when you narrow it down another layer, just to the expert level dealers, uh, it's only a few hundred of them that are moving 30% of the market. And that few hundred represents, what is that, if you translate into that into a percentage? Uh, around three. 3%. So 3% of the market, it sounds like we're doing an algebra lesson, uh, right? Um, uh, so 3% of the market is moving 30% of the cars. A quarter of the dealers out there are moving the majority of the cars, two thirds of the cars. Okay. So it really is uh, two distinct schools of thought in application where you have some that see a distinct opportunity and are going all in, or certainly it appears to be all in. And then you've got others that are essentially waiting by the sideline. Maybe they get an EV trade in. I've seen this many times across the country already in 2023 where I look through the used car inventory and there's one or two Teslas. For whatever reason, I see Xs more than anything else, but I see Teslas come in, whether it's a three or Y or an X, um, and they end up seemingly half the time retailing and half the time wholesaling it. Uh, some of those with very unhappy endings, which probably creates some form of PTSD and they just go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to not participate at the moment. I want you to, Please, for the sake of everybody listening, can you in any way characterize um, that 3%? Like if you were to, what's the hallmark of those those 3% dealers? What do they do differently in terms of their approach, their intentionality, or anything else that you've seen? It's three things. Uh, the first is the culture there. Uh, it's the whole team. If you if you walk onto one of these lots and you, you point to... Uh, the Tesla, the Rivian, uh, the Lucid, uh, the Ionic 5, whatever they have, uh, everybody there will be able to tell you about it. And not just like from reading off a spec sheet, but very confidently walk you through uh, the concept of owning the vehicle, oftentimes drawing from firsthand experience. They have been behind the wheel of EVs uh, with significant amounts of time, uh, for significant amounts of time. Uh, the second thing is they proactively acquire used EVs, not everybody in that 25% is proactively acquiring them. We're, we're still fielding conversations with as many of them as we can, but it's looking like maybe about half of them do. Uh, whereas the 3% who move 30% of the market, they're all very proactively acquiring these cars. And they do it with attention to EV-specific nuance, like the, uh, the, the build, the trim, the battery, health and size, uh, software, uh, they, they understand all of these details uh, to a degree of high granularity. 
and they leverage that knowledge in their acquisition strategy. And last is their uh, operations orientation around velocity. Uh, you can price a vehicle to sit at anywhere between 45 and 60 days, but a used EV is far more volatile than a combustion vehicle. And uh, the common thread amongst all of these dealers is that they're selling them generally in under three weeks, uh, which means they have to be priced accordingly. But the, the business model is more oriented around throughput, which is, in my mind, uh, the appropriate way to do it because uh, EVs are more volatile. I was just thinking, I apologize, the irony uh, uh, that the EVs are more, uh, you know, it's almost like you have the more the combustible versus the combustions. Um, <laughs> but uh, it really is true. You know, the, the thing I find is a great takeaway from that is, you know, oftentimes you hear the saying when you meet different people, you know, different ethnicities, different cultures that were far more similar than dissimilar. But yet we tend to, as human beings, oftentimes focus on the differences rather than the similarities. The similarities get you to a point of understanding, get you to common ground. That's where the good lives. That's where the growth lives, right? Um, right. And, and it seems a little similar here to me. I never thought of it before, but you really have more similarities than dissimilarities, right? They're both transportation. They're both mobility. Uh, from a consumer's perspective, they care about the same things. They want quality. They want reliability. Um, you know, they want a nice car. They want great transportation. And both of those, you know, you could say those things about both the the EV as well as the conventional. But what you just said in terms of volatility, you know, you have volatility, Um within conventional ICE vehicles as well, the volatility scale goes up the longer that car sits on the lot. So give me an ICE vehicle that is under 30 days old and that is priced to move within 30 days and that car will maximize profit and will diminish if not eliminate the chances of losing money. Now, once it gets the 35, 45, 60 and beyond, you see a distinct pattern in terms of the reduction of the return on investment for the capital it took to bring that car in. So EVs, it sounds like it's the same thing, but perhaps accelerated a bit, right? Um, because in an EV, generally within a 30-day period, you're probably going to be, if you looked at the car right, and you, to your point, this is very important, and you understand the nuance you don't look at that EV the same way as you do a conventional car. You've got to understand the additional software. You have to understand what the battery health is. You have to understand, you know, those really important nuances in the vehicle. And if you do, and you buy that vehicle appropriately, price it appropriately, and get it off your lot within 30 days, much like Alex Lawrence mentioned, where he said, I've never lost money uh, one time. And perhaps those two things are tied together. When you mentioned earlier, this 3%, maybe yeah, you characterize them as the experts, right? That's so right. the experts are the ones that you're saying are very intentional. They go out and acquire inventory. They're, the people that sell them are educated, intelligent, and probably even leaning in on EVs. Uh, and they go out and they... They look at EVs as a very viable slice or aspect of their pre-owned operations. Is all that accurate? 100%. Okay. 
So I w- I'm curious now. So your platform, is it live as of right now? Yep. Yep. We're running auctions uh, once a week right now. And we will eventually ratchet that up to twice and then hopefully move to every weekday or every business day uh, at some and, point later this year. Your, the reception thus far, tell me about that. How or is the inventory once listed on the platform? How are they selling? Yeah, really well so far. Um, granted, we're, we're in a closed beta, so the volume's very small. We, we haven't sold quite our first million dollars worth of cars yet, uh, but so far, uh, the sell-through rate is 100%. Great, great. And naturally, that's, that's going to go down. You want it to go down because, you'll, you know, if it doesn't go down, the only reason it's not going to go down is you'll stay at small volumes, and that obviously is not, certainly not your objective. Uh, your objective is to grow, you know, a conventional auction might might see a sell-through rate of 45, 50, 55%, maybe a little higher at times. So that certainly would be expected. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, how do you identify? You mentioned these expert dealers, the ones that are intentional leading in. How do you identify them? Like if there's dealers out there in the franchise dealer network, or even you say somebody like uh, there's some great uh, pre-owned uh, focus organizations, say like H. Greg, right? Very impressive. Uh, you've got Reichart out there in Ohio, incredibly impressive organization on the pre-owned side. And uh, you've got Beaver out in uh, Beaver Toyota out in Georgia and, and others. So how do you identify the dealers with those characteristics that are leaning in that may where it would probably make a lot of sense for them, wouldn't it, for them to maybe participate in this closed beta? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's it's beautiful because it's so simple. Yeah, well, well, the good news is, is it's quite simple, right? Like, uh, it, it starts with who has a lot of used EV inventory. And that's data that's readily accessible. Anybody with a web browser can find a dealership that has more than 10 used EVs in stock. And uh, there aren't that many of them out there honestly. So the only way to really know for sure if they are intentionally in this business and proactively acquiring inventory, and if they are interested in acquiring inventory in an online auction, is to speak with every single one of them. So that's what we've been doing. It started with myself uh, meeting dealers at conferences, doing cold calls, showing up to dealers unannounced and asking to speak with a used car manager, uh, just boots on the ground. And now we have three people who are working full-time uh, just giving them a call and asking, hey, may I speak with the person who's in charge of uh, uh, of buying inventory? And do you proactively acquire used EVs? You certainly seem to have plenty of them in stock. And uh, do you buy cars online? And anyone who raises their hand uh, is invited to have a deeper conversation with us to see if they'd be a fit to participate in the beta. And Jimmy, I'm curious, are you going to NADA, which is uh, right around the corner? Okay, great. Um and uh, is your main objective there um, to have the opportunity to have those types of meetings to meet dealers that have, maybe they're not intentional, maybe they're not one of the experts, one of the intentionals, but they go, oh, this is interesting. This is viable. This is a way of augmenting my used car business. Um, you know, 1% of the total number of vehicles on the road doesn't sound like a lot. But 1% of a ginormous number is a big number, right? So there's probably some very good dealers out there that are uh, sophisticated dealers that are always the ones that are reinventing. 
uh, always looking for ways to uh, uh, rethink, repurpose um, their their resources, um, their availability of space on their lots, and the opportunity within their market. So is, is objective number one to have the opportunity to meet those who are opportunistic, that are interested, and maybe it's nothing more than, hey, I would just like to learn more. I would love nothing more than to fill my calendar, meeting with dealers uh, of all personas within this ecosystem. Of course, uh, every dealer that I can meet with, that would be a good fit for our beta, meaning that they are already in the business of proactively acquiring used EVs and would be happy to add another channel uh, to their team that's a purely online channel. Uh, I would love to meet 100% of those, uh, but I'm also uh, looking forward to having very open-minded conversations with dealers on the opposite end of that spectrum. One of the most important supply side participants of this marketplace will be dealers who receive EVs on trade and need a fast liquidation option. And uh, that means that it doesn't really matter where you are on the spectrum here. Uh, we're building something for you if you're a dealer. So if somebody happens to uh, get an EV on trade and it, maybe they're not comfortable, maybe they're not, they don't feel like they're uh, adequately prepared, they're, they haven't had the opportunity for training yet, and they just say, okay, I'm not quite there yet. I'd rather just find a great solution in terms of where to dispose of that car. That client has an equal opportunity to benefit from plug just as much as somebody perhaps who will turn around and want to buy that very same car. That's exactly right. Okay. That's interesting. Um, that's interesting. And, and if I was a dealer and whether I was in the middle, maybe I wasn't one of the intentionals, I wasn't one of the experts. Um, I would think that it would be to my great benefit, uh, and to my peace of mind, frankly, uh, my sleep patterns, if I had a place where I knew that I could rely on uh, getting, um, at least having a, a solid opportunity to dispose of that car in a very effective way, in a very financially viable way, that would be pretty cool. And certainly if I'm on the other side of that, you know, my biggest question I would think as a dealer is, how do I find the best EVs? Okay, I'm, I'm in, I get it. And I've trained my folks. And I am intentional and I do want to go buy cars. So do I go out to the traditional channels like uh, ACV auction or, you know, Backlot or Mannheim or Odessa, or do I come to plug? Could you share with us as we start to wrap up as I didn't bother to ask you that, and I'm interested, what is the differentiator when I'm looking to acquire cars and I might have multiple avenues for finding them? Yeah, and uh, you absolutely would. If you were in that position, you would maximize your opportunities to find great inventory and have a broad, diverse mix of inventory so you have something for everybody. Uh, we seek to differentiate in two primary ways, and the first is that information layer. Uh, you should be able to acquire a used EV unplugged uh, in the highest confidence of what exactly is that car and what exactly is that car not. Uh, and we do that by establishing a connection to the car. So we can tell you with great certainty, uh, what is the build data? What software does it have and not have? What transfers to the next owner? Uh, what's going on with the battery? And uh, what's its condition? And that uh, sets us apart because 
for the most part, it's very difficult to have any certainty around that unless you happen to be very skilled at this already. And even then, sometimes that won't be enough. The second is our attention to velocity. Going back to the issue of EVs being a more uh, volatile asset, uh, we've oriented our entire operation around moving as fast as we can and maximizing opportunities to do things over the air or virtually rather than relying on hiring a, a human team across the country or opening up physical locations. And one example of that is how we think about condition reports because uh, an EV has very few moving parts. There's no combustion engine. There's no exhaust. There's no transmission. You need to have certainty around reconditioning costs, particularly for cosmetic. So we work uh, with a partner to provide uh, a condition report that's generated with uh, AI-assisted photography. And that report can be generated immediately after the vehicle is landed. So for a cell side participant, when we're running every day, we can give you same day or at least 24-hour liquidation on your asset, which is huge. And on the demand side, you'll have the most transparency into these EVs than you will out of any others that you can buy. Um, one other question. So the EVs that are on this platform, they may be anywhere in the United States, true? Yes, that's right. They're not all coming from one central location. Mm-hmm. No, and in fact, uh, we've sold stars. We sold cars from all over the country. In fact, last week was the first time we sold any from California. And prior to that, it had been the Midwest and the East Coast primarily. And and then how is transportation handled in that case? And are there CR um, forms like you would have at a traditional auction? So I get a condition report. Yeah, yeah, you do. So every vehicle detail page has a link to a condition report. And we also provide an itemized list of the uh, reconditioning uh, costs that were estimated by the inspection and transportation can be handled in one of two ways. You can dispatch your transportation through us, which we fulfill with a technology partner, or you're welcome to use your own provider if you have one that you prefer. And it's about a 50, 50 split from what I've seen. Okay. Terrific. Um, Jimmy, it's, uh, it's late January, uh, 2024. As I said, the uh, NADA convention is right around the corner. I'm excited about going. I'm excited about seeing people again face-to-face yeah. this year, like last year and the year before, um, in you know, rekindling relationships or just connecting in person and meeting uh, new folks. I look forward to seeing you uh, and your team there. But I, I, I must ask you, you know, when you go into NADA, it's the beginning of the year, and everybody has just tremendous optimism and they've got goals, objectives, um, and, and hopes for what they want to achieve during the course of this year. So it's the first month of the year. I want you to picture it's now December, 2024. If there was one thing, uh, that, that you would say, okay, this validates plug uh, as a platform, and this is the right time, right place, right solution, what would that be? It would be our volume and our velocity. Uh, we would be in a gross merchandise value run rate somewhere between 50 or 100 million uh, by the end of the year. And uh, the the turn time of those vehicles from point of uh, inventory disposition and transaction would be within single digit days. Uh, we should probably actually be measuring it by hours, not days. That would be incredibly impressive. Um, and would I think that in and of itself uh, would 
probably officially light the pilot light, you know, that becomes the tipping point that would cause a lot more dealers uh, to wake up in January 2025 and start raising their hand. Um, listen, um, if you happen to be a retail dealer, um, how are they going to, and they, when you're, they, like I said, they're interested in possibly raising their hand or learning more. Uh, what's the best way for them to connect with you? What's your uh, email address? Yeah, uh, my email is JD, so Jimmy Douglas, uh, JD at plug.vin, V-I-N. Uh, you can also go directly to our website at, at plug.vin, and we have a contact form there that they can fill out. And uh, one way or another, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm also on X all day, every day, at Jimmy Douglas. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, nobody who has ever attempted to get a hold of me has had a hard time. <laughs> Yet. Yet. Yeah, you say that now, my friend. Uh, well, listen, I, I happen to think this is incredibly interesting. It's yet another slice, another la layer to the entire EV discussion. And, you know, we had the opportunity to uh, hang out, you, myself. Uh, we had Alex. We had John Foley from Recharge, Alex from EV Autos, Brian Kramer from AccuTrade and, and Cars Commerce. Then it was a, a really, really fascinating conversation where you guys all served up some uh, incredible knowledge and insights. For uh, anybody, if you want to go to my LinkedIn page, just know this, that over the course of the next uh, week and a half, we'll be replaying the used car EV disruption panel, which Jimmy right. was on, in its entirety. Um, and so you'll be able to get a link there and see it. If you want to reach out to me personally on LinkedIn, I'll be happy to send you that link directly as well as uh, Jimmy's contact information in case you missed it here. And by the way, uh, for anybody listening, you could always go to www.davidspizak.com and you could find a link for this podcast as, law, as well as show notes and some additional information, like I said, on how to get a hold of Jimmy. But you could also find it, of course, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Jimmy, I want to personally thank you for taking the time to be able to give me some additional insights and background on where you feel we're going with EVs, why you jumped into this right now, and um, and what we will likely see as we continue through 2024 and beyond in the pre-owned side and the remarketing side of EVs. I think I think it's quite possible that the growth that we see on the remarketing side will ultimately outpace um the new car side and maybe for the next several years just for no other reason because of the value proposition and the affordability so i'm looking forward to uh learning more about plug and hearing more about your progress but i'll see you at nada for everybody listening please take the time to reach out connect leave a review subscribe or share this episode especially if you know anybody in retail auto whether they're an independent, whether they're a franchise dealer, and they're thinking about leaning in, not sure about EVs, this would be a great episode for, for them to listen to. And I want to thank you personally for taking the time to invest with me. And I certainly hope, as always, that we delivered some great value. So, Jimmy, thank you. Wishing you and your plug team all the best for a fantastic 2024. Thank you, David. We'll see you in Vegas. We'll see you in Vegas, and I'll see everybody else next time on the David Spizak Show. Thanks for joining.
You've been listening to The David Spizak Show. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button and leave a rating wherever you're listening right now. I look forward to having you back in the room where it happens. 